How's things? Good. Everything's good. Enjoying COVID, right? That's all we can do. <laughs> I know. It's uh, where are we now? We're probably about week seven or week eight now, aren't we? It's got to be. We really are. It's honestly after week five, I gave up. I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just gonna ride the coast. We'll see what happens. So there's so many different things going on. I think we're we're now on day two of uh, unlimited exercise oh which yeah is, uh, <laughs> which is an, uh, an interesting one but um i think it's i think it's good that, that we're able to get outside i think is the most important thing i think that right now getting outside is going to ease the stresses of things that are happening be- between obviously four walls uh because yeah. that's where most people are spending most of the time so with with that being said i think uh, it, we're we're experiencing good weather so that's that's a good thing um if it was bad weather then i think people would be like oh shit i need to i need to figure out what i'm gonna do here i'm gonna lose my mind mm-hmm, um, but what's it been like for you guys over there in the states because i've spoken to a lot of people in different areas uh yeah. different things. you are in chicago I'm, is that- I'm in chicago so i don't know if you've gone to see all the internet memes that have crossed over the world from our <laughs> lovely mayor uh lauren lightfoot but at first it was pretty it was pretty I would say uh, reserved and conservative with the fact that like she didn't want us on the lakefront she didn't want us at public parks and now it's eased up to the point where as long as you're there and you're not you know stationed and you're kind of moving I think it's it's been okay um, I'm starting I've been a runner right now so I'm training for a half marathon so it's been a struggle you know to be able to adapt to um, a, a lot of people planning half again. marathons. <laughs> A lot of people planning them, and I, yeah. I still to this day wonder why. Um, but look, <laughs> credit where it's due. I think it's a it's a very significant achievement uh, to have on your portfolio to say that you've even done one. Um, so credit yeah. where that's due. Uh, I know that you <laughs> trained very differently uh, prior to this. So what's it yeah. been like in terms of the transformation from that? Just briefly. Yeah, definitely. Um, so. I guess my background necessarily would be more bodybuilding style and then transition to just strength training. Um, growing up, I played soccer, so it was kind of a softer, rigid form of resistance training. And then um, as I transitioned to becoming a strength coach, um, I feel like the focus was very strength coach, strength coach, strength coach, but we never really balanced the idea of aerobic health. So I kind of, that was actually what led me to want to train for a half marathon was to be able to relate to athletes and let them know, like, there's the best of both worlds, right? You know, you shouldn't just be able to lift all this weight on like this powerlifting style and this, all this heavy weight, but you should think and consider your cardiovascular health. So being the in-between is what really wanted me to do it. So yeah, it's been something it's a learning curve for me, right? I'm still learning different, the different kinds of runs. I have long runs versus speed runs versus, oh, today's a recovery run. I'm like, well, that's, how is that different from, you know? So it's, it's a learning process. And I think being able to learn that myself and then be able to relate to different kinds of athletes in their own history of training, I think that builds a bridge for me. It, it, it's amazing though when you, when you see what your body is really <laughs> capable of. Yeah. Um, I think that a lot of people don't realize this, that it's not just all about who can lift the heaviest or who can, uh, who can move, uh, the best, uh, at, say for instance, 
body squats uh, mm-hmm. and then try and go going ass the grass, uh, as we call <laughs> yeah. it. But it's like, okay, fair enough. But a true testament of health, I think, is being able to cover a multitude of disciplines, which, which you're doing, which you've done. Uh, and that's what really excites <laughs> me is because I spend a lot of time looking at different people's journeys and, and going through them. And your journey really stood out to me. Uh, in particular, looking at your development into sports performance. Now, mm. a really big topic, uh, and that is the topic of today, um, which okay. is women in S&C. Uh, mm. And it's something that's... S&C is, is primarily known as a male-dominant environment, okay? Uh, a lot of agree. people listening. To, a lot of people listening to this will probably think, "Okay, where's he going with this?" Um, <laughs> but Steph, give us a bit of a background. Now you've been coaching for just over two years. Yeah, lead, lead us through um, what you've been doing, where you started. You mentioned obviously you played um, soccer to, to English people. That is football. Um, <laughs> yeah. For a long time. So yeah, uh, talk us through it. Talk us through your journey. Yeah, definitely. So I. Growing up, I played soccer. Um, I wasn't the best athlete by any means. I was just a bare minimum average, you know, soccer player. And just kind of looking and reflecting back, um, I didn't ever really see any female coaches, right? I always had male coaches. um, And that stood out to me a lot. I don't know. I don't want to pinpoint any specific coach, but I don't know if that would have changed my path and my own drive to want to keep getting better. But I feel like I maintained. It was just average. And then I got to the university and I knew I wanted to do something with the body. I didn't know exactly what. And I kind of fell into this biology anatomy realm. And from there, I majored in exercise science at Loyola University. And I fell in love with it. Um, With that, they kind of opened up the doors of these different careers and jobs that you normally don't hear about. You hear about like a lawyer, you hear about a doctor, but you don't ever really hear about like a strength coach or a sports performance coach and just the the knowledge and respect that they have. I, like I said, I was never exposed to it until I got to the university. So I ended up majoring in exercise science and minoring in biomedical ethics because I wanted a backbone of just in case this didn't work out for me, I'd be in a more of like an exercise physiologist realm in a hospital setting. Um, So with that, I started training. Uh, I had the opportunity, honestly, just opened the door for me being a female. And sometimes I think about it as a blessing and sometimes, unfortunately, it's not. Um, I think being a blessing was in a room full of candidates of different uh, men. I usually get stood out because it's like, oh, there's a girl. Like, okay, let's, let's, let's see what she knows. Let's see. Let's give her a chance and hear her out. So I did an internship in my undergrad with a agility uh, location called TC Boost. And I learned like the basics, the bare minimum of like running mechanics, sprinting mechanics, and then that transitioned to more of a sports performance uh, realm for me. And then I really, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with coaching. I fell in love with the being to be, uh, being able to be interpersonal with different athletes from different ages. I started off with a youth setting and then I made my way to high school and then I got my way up to a collegiate level, um, you know, being just fresh out of college, that was, that was, it was something I was really proud of because being able to talk to a peer and then have them have trust in my guidance and my knowledge, um, was something special. So from there, I went into like more of a private sector, uh, with personal training as I was kind of deciding of what I wanted to do. Um, in particular, I knew I wanted to be a strength coach. So I was 
the biggest thing I think at that point was I felt like I needed more knowledge. I felt like I had immersed myself. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm only 24. So I really wanted to fill myself up with my time. So I decided to keep studying for the strength conditioning um, certification. And then I enrolled at Loyola University again for my master's in kinesiology. So I'm a first year grad student there. And now I work as a sports performance coach over at EFT Sports Performance. So shout out to my boss, Elias, because he has opened the doors for me. Um, he's wonderful. He exposes me to different things. With that, my history is actually in football, men's football, strength and conditioning. That's kind of our big niche there. So I've learned a lot about the combine there and even in my prior internship. So now I'm actually doing an internship with Clemson University um, with their men's strength and conditioning basketball team. So from that, I'm just trying to open the doors and learn as much as I can. Um, I don't, I'm still so young to want to pick a niche, but I'm definitely open and willing to learn any sport. And then whether it be male or female, originally I thought I wanted to only stick to stick to women's, but it ended up being that I flourished more in men. So here I am. <laughs> Oh, that's that's an amazing journey, and to do that all in such a short time, uh, I think a lot of people will start to think, okay, if if she can do it, I can do it, which is true. You you can. You just moving on to something. Then from that, what has the journey been like in terms of? Um, the mental aspects of things. Cause I know that a lot of people, they put a lot of pressure on themselves to want to achieve things so quickly. You've mm-hmm. catapulted from <laughs> no. zero to hero in such a short space of time. Um, but you've obviously connected with the right people to, to be able to do that. Um, mm-hmm. If you were to pick three things then in the last sort of two years, three years that you've learned, that's helped you become a better coach. What would those three things be? And uh, in terms of uh, you've got a young female coach coming through, she doesn't know what to do. What three pieces of advice would you give her straight away? Uh, Ask questions. That's my biggest thing. I think asking questions, not to be afraid to ask questions. Um, Anytime I'm in a room with someone, I know I'm not the smartest person, right? There's always room for improvement. So you, either you feel confident in something, you can still get a different perspective of, a different training exercise, a different um, style of coaching or cueing. So definitely ask questions. Um, my number two piece of advice would probably be reach out like mentorship wise. Um, I'm really right. I've asked, I've reached out to different females. I've reached out to different males of just, Hey, do you mind like explaining something? I see something on Instagram or I see something on social media and I like a training aspect. So I'll reach out and be like, Oh, do you mind explaining something further? So I kind of, that does relate to asking questions, but being like being open to reaching out. I think, especially now our Asian, like I'm a millennial age of people get afraid of getting shut down and saying no, getting heard no. So I think that's a big thing is it's okay to fail. It's okay. If someone doesn't reach out to you, it's okay. If someone doesn't want to help you out, but for every 20 people that you ask, one person's bound to want to help you out. Someone's bound to throw a bone at you and be like, Oh, here, this is how to do it. So I'd say that would probably be number two. And number Three would probably be um, to be confident. Um, confidence comes from preparation. That's probably one of my favorite quotes from Layla Ali. And it's just prepare yourself, right? If you don't know something, read up on it, learn about it. Like don't feel like you're already in a niche that you can't ex- like explore, right? I started off my first two years of just knowing men's football. Um, 
American football. <laughs> and um, I learned all about the strength and conditioning and the 40 yard dash and the combine for their, you know, their sprinting mechanics for that. But, you know, I don't know anything about men's basketball. So what did I do? I seeked out a way to learn that. So I would say um, have the confidence to want to learn and have the confidence to prepare yourself to want to learn. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> it's so it's it's so different to hear different answers to different questions yeah. because I think that's the thing that you bang the nail on the head. Then is being open to wanting to learn because mm-hmm. you shut down your ability to learn when you start focusing on one particular area. So naturally, for me. I'm going to start gravitating towards a sport that I love and enjoy. But the problem with that is, is I've got only one direction. There's only one place I'm going. Whereas having different networks and different people that you communicate with opens up a whole new can of worms. Um, One thing I learned recently was, believe it or not, that I could actually train hockey players. But the only reason I could train hockey players was because I knew the mechanics behind it because I played the sport when I was younger. So Mm -hmm. although it might be that I've not played the sport for five five to ten years or something, I've still learned that and it's still in my training literacy. So I'm able to then call upon it when I need it. So exactly. you banging the nail on the head with that was, was perfect. Um, so I just needed to, to thank you for that because that was really, that was really, um, that was a breath of fresh air. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> so in terms of uh, the world itself is ever developing. Okay. We're an ever developing society and there's always going to be uh, education uh, in different forms, okay, whether it be digital content, whether it be uh, research-based articles on paper, um, or i listening to it. Um, in terms of your own education pathway now, what, what have what have you learned during during the process of coaching that's really helped you? Because there's a lot of people that that I think would be listening to this that don't necessarily know what to look for that to help them grow. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give? Um, probably looking at the foundation of everything. Um, as simple as that sounds, um, right. You can't build something bigger, better, stronger if the foundation isn't set. So with that, I think, um, always learn the bare, the, bare minimum the basics um so like like by in the sense of basketball right i never play i never played football <laughs> i'm a five foot three 150 pound girl like what do i know about being a linebacker but i learned the foundations of being a linebacker i learned the foundations of being a quarterback i learned the foundations of being a point guard in basketball so i think that's the best advice I can get is just learn the bare minimum. And then once you learn the bare minimum, you're, le- you're able to grow upon that and build a foundation and be like, okay, well, I know this is the mechanics that, you know, a pitcher uses. So let me look at any, um, upper body strengthening or any prehab rehab exercises that could benefit me with learning from that. So just kind of, at first I would say spread yourself thin, um, at the foundation of everything to be able to kind of grasp it and work your way up with things. Yeah, no, that's, that's brilliant. Uh, and in terms of places to go to get that education, 
what what sort of stuff have you used? Because I know that we've we've got the UK SCA over here. You guys have got mm-hmm. the NSCA. Yeah. Yes, yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm catching up. Uh, uh, you are. <laughs> slowly. Um, so there's there's obviously our governing bodies that oversee um, best practice um, in mm-hmm. our in our line of work. Um, but the one place that I've really gone to recently is actually looking at um, scholarly research-based articles. Um, Google Scholar. Yes. Uh, believe it or not. Yes, I'm actually, yeah, no, definitely. Um, I guess, like, yeah, to answer the original question, would probably be, yeah, to look at scholarly things. Um, being a grad student, that has exposed me and opened me up to that. Um, I love Google Scholar. PubMed has probably got to be one of my favorites. Okay. Um, because... Again, there's all this research to back an idea up. So if you have, like, my biggest thing is, like, if I have an idea, I'll keyword search it, right? I want to know about basketball and I want to learn about acceleration, right? There's someone smarter already that thought of that, (laughs) all right? So it's just about going out and finding it. So I love more clinical-based things. I like things with, you know, research and data because then I have numbers to back up why I want to do something. You know, I could see something on the internet and be like, oh, that looks cool, but does it really translate to on the field? Does it translate to in the weight room? Not necessarily, then that's a waste of time, not only for the athlete, but for myself. Don't get me wrong, I think that's a trial and error to everything, but I think if you can first start off using Google Scholar, using any scholarly um, research to kind of build your idea of why you want to do something or why you want to learn something, I think then you're setting yourself up for success versus failure. Hmm. I think those two forms as well, are not only just transferable for our industry, but also across the board. Now I didn't even know about these in, until about six, six, seven months ago because uh, <laughs> yeah. a student that I was working with at the time was like, Oh, what are you doing right now? I said, I'm, well, I'm writing a research based piece article. And he was like, oh, do you know that you can actually get these articles from so-and-so? I didn't even know. All I was doing was just reaching out <laughs> yeah. to the universities and asking the, the lecturers, do you have any um, means of information that I can actually justify these ca- this case study that I'm writing? So everything I've written mm-hmm. and everything that I've done in the past, next thing I know, it, it's just gone to a whole new level because it's- I'm able to get more and more resources. But then the problem is I end up diverting away from the complete case study altogether the original that's yeah that's the power of the <laughs> internet right if the world's your oyster there it's honestly like it could be good or bad don't get me wrong there could be credible sources and reliable sources versus something that's very biased and uncredible so it's again finding um unbiased scientifically based research so i would look at anything from the cses and SCA, um, anything with a credible background, you know, a lot of people have like uh, certifications. Look at those big names because, again, those are unbiased um, programs that you know, okay, they've tested this out in and out, um, time in and time out. So let me take a look at what they have to say. Of course, there's always that leeway of like, oh, there's um, individuals who spend their time and money, their own money and their own time to conduct these research experiments. And that's not to say that you can't take a look at them. I would just say, look at how many times have they been cited? You know, it's this trail of, are they credible? Can you rely on them? Yeah, 100% agree with that. I think there's so much content available right now. Um, In terms of 
coaches in general trying to obviously get a reputation in the industry. Uh, but it does pose the question then, in terms of people that you fed information off when you first started out, who, who did you go to? Was there anyone in particular that you really thought, do you know what, I like the way that person does things with, with their sport. Um, they're amazing. I need to learn from them. Or yeah. did you just think, do you know what, I need to just look at everything and just sort of see what everyone's saying? Um, yeah, in the beginning, I'd say for at least for strength and conditioning and uh, resistance training, I looked at everything. Um, again, just being exposed. That was what I was first exposed to as in like undergrad and even my graduate program that we kind of um, learned it by the books. So I was very just, I'm just going to look at every kind of trainer, every kind of cueing. Um, but more recently, I've had the opportunity to work uh, and learn, mostly learn from Les Spellman for like running and acceleration mechanics. So um, him and Dylan, wonderful guys, adore them. They're a fresh a breath of fresh air with just knowledge of willing to teach and it's like Dylan I reach out uh, pretty frequently and so do I the last so with them for like sprinting and um running mechanics I would say go to them <laughs> for yeah, sure I think a lot of people a lot of people know that as well um I was actually fortunate enough to be involved in a symposium that my friend ran recently um which Les uh spoke about a few bits and bobs uh, on there mm-hmm. but that was really insightful to see the way how he tracks the mechanics and and um also looking at uh, rfd in particular so if you don't know about that it's it, it's mad rfd doesn't just it doesn't there's not enough i, I can't speak about it enough because <laughs> when rfd for for everyone that's listening to this that don't know doesn't know what that means it's the rate of force development so it's the amount of force that you can generate through the ground to create a an explosive action. Uh, so mm-hmm. one thing that I was looking at recently was how you could change the rate of force. Say, for instance, if you're coming down or going up. So whether or not there was anything that you could do that could effectively be that they would generate the same. Now, that's something that's very, very hard to do because when you're coming yeah. down, your gravity is obviously coming down. But then when you're going up, you're going away from gravity. Fighting so, against it, yeah. So it's, it, it was something that I was really curious about. And um, I'm spending a lot of time looking at Google Scholar and PubMed, trying to find re- research to, to justifying between um, forces, obviously, and opposite and reacting forces. Absolutely, so yeah. very, very technical. Um, and taking a lot of time, I put it that way. Put it that way. Yeah, um, I can. Ooh. there's there's so much. There's there really is. Um, but yeah, obviously Les Les Spellman, he is the sprint expert. In terms of other mm-hmm. areas, then is there anything that you you really go to for say athletic development or uh, just primary strength? Because I know uh, there's so many different I people that's say- focusing on so many different things. One of my well, one of my favorite strength coaches. Um, well, she's actually a hitting coach now, but her name is Rachel Belkovic. Uh, she was one of the. She was actually the first female in um, Major League Baseball. I want to say so. She started off as a strength coach, and yeah, made congratulations. Her way over. So yeah, I'm a big fan of her, and I just I've like dug in and in a way of like looked into her past as when she was a strength coach and just kind of looked at her old programming. So I would probably say some of her stuff. Um, 
is not even just from the strength side, but just the female side of just the way her own path. And then just being, trying to mimic her and be like, okay, like at this time she was, you know, she exposed herself to two, three different sports. So I should be exposing myself to two, three different sports. So I think that um, she would probably be my, my all time favorite. In in theory, then what you've done is you've, you're trying to mirror someone at that pro level, which I know is a very leading way of why, why I was asking certain questions, but <laughs> I think that's very that's a very important topic to speak about because when you're trying to mirror someone who's been successful, you've got your own considerations to take into consideration. Um, yeah. But it, it's very different because they've designed their path the way that they've wanted to. You're mm-hmm. trying to mirror that, but you're two different types of people. Yeah. So... How has that been? Because it, it's not it's not an easy thing to do. You know, definitely. I think the biggest thing is something like you said, is just taking a step back and realizing I'm not her. I have my own path and I have different obstacles that I have to go through. One of my favorite quotes from in general is um we might be on the same storm, but we have different boats. So, you know, what she might have led to, to getting her, you know, her experiences and her internships is completely different the way I had to work for mine. Um, so in that aspect, I would say it's okay to want to mim- almost mimic someone. You like their career path in the sense of you saw the struggle, you saw their accomplishments and you, you know, I aspire to be something like that of like, I want to break, break a barrier and but at the same time, we're different. You know, we have different personalities, we have different education, we have different struggles that we had to go through. Um, sorry, I totally just went on a tangent on that one. But, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> I, 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 look, you carry on. I've got <laughs> no. nothing but time. I think I, this is really fascinating that you're actually opening up so much about this because a lot of people, they can't, they can't explain it. It's not an easy yeah. thing to explain. So carry on, carry on. <laughs> Thank you. But no, but you know, at the same time, it's being able to have um, someone to help navigate. I think that's the biggest thing is don't look to mirror. I guess that should be better. Don't look to mirror someone or mimic someone. Look to look for a mentor to mim- uh, to navigate, help navigate the realms of this industry because it's hard. You know, at first I didn't know what like, I graduated undergrad and I was like, okay, now, like, what up? Like, what's next? You know, I, I have a degree and so what? Um, okay, let's hold you there. Let's hold you there. One, okay. one thing I'm going to pick up. <laughs> so you've literally just finished your degree, okay? Because yeah. I want to I find out what exactly you did. And I think a lot of people want to know as well. Because okay. <laughs> you'll get to the point, you've just got your degree. What was mm-hmm. the first thing that you did? Did you reach out to someone? Did you sit there and think, okay, I've got a piece of paper, now what? Uh, or did you start writing things down? Like I like to write lists, so I'm yeah. able to then stra- like put together a strategy that actually fits that. Um, no, so talk uh, us that was, yeah, definitely. So I'm a list person. I'm a, I am someone who writes things down because if you write it down, you're gonna get it done. Um, you could probably like most people won't be able to see, but I write everything down for the day. Like if I don't have it done, then I know it's not it's not gonna get accomplished. So right after I graduated, I was like okay, what's next? I wrote down, where do I see myself? I think a lot of times people are are fearful of dreaming big. Um, And it's okay. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying people don't take the time to want to, you know, they think, okay, I'm done. Like I I did the four years and I'm going to live this comfortable life and I'm happy. And it's like, I think that's what sets out different 
personalities is just what are you willing to work and risk for it? So at that point, I wrote down that I knew I wanted to go and work for the professionals. I, everyone dreams, not everyone, but most people dream of being in the big leagues or whether you're an athlete, you want to go pro, you want to go to the Olympics. In my sense, I, I knew I wanted to work with the pros. Um, so from then, I just started writing down, okay, like I know I want to be, I, I know I want to be a trainer. I know I want to be a coach. So um, I wrote down like, okay, like jobs, like I have to get my feet wet, whether that was personal training first, because at that point I only had eight months of personal training experience at a, like a local gym. So I was, I was not tailored to be the next Olympia coach. Right. So I wrote down that I wanted to get more into sports performance. Um, cause that's what I was exposed to undergrad. I fell in love with it, especially at my internship. And so I wrote that down and I was like, okay, there's, you know, you start researching people, you start seeing other coaches and you see all these letters under their back behind their names. You're like, well, what's the, you know, what's the letters with oh, so started, many letters. So many. <laughs> So I saw the letters and I started looking into them and I'm like, okay, like, because they know something, right? Their certifications because they've gone through something, they've learned more that's making them um, that more knowledgeable than the other coach that, you know, that's at that place. So I, at that point I was like, all right, you know, like the CSCS, what, you know, and that's kind of how I transitioned to really wanting to be a strength coach. Um, so from there I started on my undergrad, I started working. That's when I started working. I applied. And at this point, I was a personal trainer at like this big private gym and word got across that I was decently well with my job, I would say. And Elias from EFT reached out to me and was like, you know, we're looking for a female trainer at my location. Like, you know, um, why don't you come over to see if you're a good fit? And I was exposed to, that's where I was really exposed to sports performance. There's a lot of team building, a lot of team youth and even professional to collegiate level athletes that were there. And I soaked it up and that's that from that point I was like all right I'm getting my master's like that's that's what I'm doing I gotta keep this because I have to learn I didn't know I didn't know anything I, like at this point I still feel like I don't know anything so um I'm, I'm 30 years old and I, I still don't I still don't know anything I know nothing <laughs> yeah, right? I know I nothing when I when I look I'm at not, Mike when okay. I look at Mike Boyle like I just oh, think Mike Boyle is, I'm just ooh. like I'm dumb Really, um, he, he the way he spits <laughs> knowledge. I'm just like, oh, okay, like that's what we were looking at. Okay, he's like two, <laughs> two, three times our age. Like he's he's been there and done that. And I think that a lot of other guys as well, like mm-hmm. um, uh, Zach Evanish, like oh, yeah. he's like these guys, like they're they're big guys. Like, um, but this is the thing as well. Like, um, I've got a good friend actually. Fun enough uh, over at um, Varsity House in um, New Jersey, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, I actually had the pleasure of speaking with his boss last night. So it's um, for me, it was all about building that connection because I knew that his boss was very, very experienced and I wanted to pick his brains. Mm -hmm. So that's another story altogether. Um, (laughs) But the reason why I say that is that the communication element of speaking to people that have got so much more experience than you really helps you build as a person. Because yeah. outside of that, if there's no, if no one's growing, no one's learning. If no one's learning, no one's getting paid. No one's getting better. No one's right? getting paid. <laughs> like you're not, you're not gonna be a benefit to anyone. Um, uh-huh. So it was really exciting. Then Elias obviously picked you up, gave you a call, said, "Hey, dude, what's happening? Come over." Yeah. Went I and went did over. your masters, <laughs> and then yeah. where are we now? We're what 2019. 2018. Um, yeah. yeah. So what's and happened between January 2019 to, to now then? 
So now I, well, I just finished. So at that point, actually connections, you're talking about connections and being able to communicate. Well, that's actually where Les Bellman and Dylan are at. They were, you know, they're consulting for our combine um, at the time. So I met Les personally and Dylan and I got to pick their brains and I got to learn about acceleration and I got to learn about force development. And I was like, okay, I've never really, I was never exposed to this, you know, previously. So, and I'm still learning, right. I still call them and I'm like, I, what am I doing? (laughs) What am I looking at here? You know, I, you know, what's my issues. And so that was a nice like learning curve for me. Um, I just completed my first year at Loyola for my uh, grad program. And now I, again, I felt, I was getting to the point where I was like, I almost felt consistent, which is not bad, but I felt comfortable and consistent. Um, I wasn't feeling like I was exposed as much. So what I do, I reached out and I was like, Clemson University, I need a, I want to, I want to work with you guys. I want to, I want to intern. And lo and behold, I applied for a position and now I'm doing a strength and conditioning internship for them, for their men's basketball. And I'm learning a lot from Coach Buley and Coach Cunningham. They're amazing. And again, things that I thought I knew, ooh, my world got upside down in like two, three lectures. I'm like, wait, what are we looking at? What are we learning? Why would we, you know, why are we utilizing, why are we focusing so much on, um, the foundations of like an FMS screening for them. And, you know, it's been such a learning curve for me. And that's, I think that's the biggest thing that I could tell anyone, especially any female is if you have a question, reach out, do research. It's okay to not know, like, it's okay to make mistakes. Like I'm not the best, I'm not the best yet, but I want to be right. So I have to learn. I have to learn from my mistakes. And the only way you're going to learn from your mistakes is if you make a mistake. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, You've done. You've just done a lot in such a short space of time. <laughs> it's a case of what well, what's going to happen next. Um, it, uh, it's it's the uh, stay tuned and see what Steph does. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, uh, but I think that that's a really good thing to to talk about. Is that people right now they put so much pressure on themselves, obviously wanting to achieve so much. Okay, mm-hmm. you obviously want to aspire to get to the top of what you do in your field as does anyone. If you wouldn't have those aspirations, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's a good thing to, to move on to then. In, in terms of assessing yourself, are, are you very self-critical or do you just go with the flow when, when you're assessing things? Because a lot of people, uh, they do, they're either one or the other. They're very self-critical or they just go with the flow. Do you think it's better to be one or the other, or do you think it's best to have the best of both worlds? Um, I think it's the best of both worlds, to be honest. Um, okay. I think I know I can be very self-critical of myself. Sometimes I, you know, I think about it. I'm like, well, I'm only this age, and I'm only doing this, and it's like, no, Stephanie, you're only this age, and you've done all this. Like you have to take into account all those accomplishments and the small mini victories, right? Like sometimes I'm like, you know, I, I have a tendency to want to overflow myself with things and keep myself too busy. But with that, sometimes, you know, it's, I should be more go with the flow because if right now, like let's take into consideration this COVID, I was like, well, technically I'm out of work in the sense of I'm not training every day. Um, so I was like, I'll have a lot more free time than if I was at work from five 30 till two 30. So in that aspect, I was like, you know what, maybe I should take into consideration, uh, take into consideration of getting another certificate. Maybe I should, you know, apply to this mentorship and, you know, and so in that sense, I would say like, 
it's the best of both worlds because you don't want to drive yourself crazy. You don't, you know, one thing I heard is like, you have to take care of yourself to be able to take care of others. And so not even just like mentally, emotionally, and physically, but like, um, in that sense, like I can physically write a program. I could physically, uh, sit there and do it. But if I'm mentally drained, am I really giving 110% as your coach? Am I really working to be making you better? That's ultimately going to make me better because I'm becoming a better coach. So, um, I would say it's a, it's a balance. It's, and it's something I'm learning for sure. It's something I'm learning and I'm trying to be more cautious of, but it's, I think it's, it's better to be a balance than one or the other. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I would, I would agree. I would agree more so now than ever, because Uh as you say, a lot of people aren't, they're not necessarily working. So there's no reason for them to be self-critical or so much or get their workflow overloaded. It, there's no, there's no real positive to it, is there? Yeah. Um, so then from that, with 2020, what are you doing now other than preparing for your half marathon? Are you, <laughs> are you actually, or have, have you made the choice to, to upskill? Are you upskilling or, or are you just enjoying life or what, what, what's the, what's the everyday look like? <laughs> um, yeah, I actually, I am, I'm, I would say I'm upscaling. So originally I was, I was working with Nike to do the half marathon. So it's this project fearless of getting individuals who normally don't run, which was me. Um, I think the lot, but prior to that, I think the longest I actually had ran was two miles. Um, without wanting to throw up on the, you know, on the side of the road. And, um, I did that program where, again, they looked out for individuals who weren't runners. And so I, you know, I was like, you know what, let's, let's give us a try. You know, I want to see the best of both worlds of strength training and aerobic training. <laughs> and so, um, I started training for the half marathon and as cliche as I might sound, I fell in love with running. Um, now I'm running, you know, 10 miles and I'm like, wow, I can't, you know, I'm supposed to run a half marathon on, my birthday. So due to COVID, the Nike one got canceled, but I made it a point on my, to the people I work with and just like the people, my supporters and fans, and that's sound cliche, but like, you know, people I reached out to and got into this running world. Um, then I was like, you know what, I'm still going to run that half marathon. So I decided to push it a week later because, uh, June 11th, that's my birthday. And I was like, what better way to start, you know, my birthday in this new era for my life is to run a half marathon. So I'm still going to run that, but I've actually made the decision to give myself a little bit of break, but then actually train for a full marathon at this point. (laughs) So Stephanie is uh, consistently running and strength training, right? There's, it's got to be both. You need to be able to keep up balance and healthy lifestyle. So I'm still resistant training. Uh, it's definitely come down. It's limited because of, you know, COVID, but I'm utilizing with what I got. I'm a, beyond blessed that I have some things at home so I'm, I can use that, but that's right now I'm in this running thing. So I'm liking it. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, it really is. Like <laughs> seeing, seeing you do something that's completely out of the norm, but then again, at the same time, you're, you're educating because a lot of what we do as coaches, if we don't trial something, we don't know what the outcomes are. So exactly. that's fantastic. Um, I'm going to fast forward. Yeah. What do you see for the next three, six, 12 months? What does it look like? How yeah. big is your list? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say 
three to six months. Um, I would say just, I would, so I officially will take my, so because of COVID, my official, um, exam date was pushed back for my CSCS. So I officially want to finally take my CSCS, um, and be able to practice and, um, call myself a strength and conditioning coach versus a sports performance coach. Um, so that's within the three, six months range. And then from there, I want to finish my internship with Clemson. Um, and then from there, I would say probably within the next year is pick up another internship with a different sport. So I've mastered at this point, I would feel comfortable with basketball and football. So I'd want to try something again, maybe something that I've never done would probably be like hockey, learning hockey uh, on, on a collegiate level or even rugby, soccer. maybe. Rugby, you know, I, shout out to Dylan and Leslie because they're big rugby guys. So I've learned a lot from Dylan for sure. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll maybe I'll, I'll become a rugby player. Who knows? Rug, rugby, yeah, it's it, it's a it's an interesting one because I know it sounds. I know this will a lot of people listening to this will be like, well, why is he saying this? Um, mm-hmm. But I think rugby really builds the foundations for every other sport, and that's not just me being biased because I play it. Uh-huh. But because the mechanics and everything that go into it and the training methods and everything else that comes into play, it mm-hmm. covers everything. Energy system development, speed, force development. Force, yeah. Strength. Um, strength, speed, and speed strength. Like the, the, <laughs> the adaptability of that. And, and it's all so, so transferable across every single discipline that you play. And mm-hmm. I, forgot, I missed that one thing there, agility. Yeah. So <laughs> you've got so many different moving parts that for me personally, rugby is the ultimate engine system creator. Okay. Yeah. I create my engine like no tomorrow because I know that I need to cover so many different areas to be able to play at a high level, um, to be able to recover and also maintain a healthy life. Um, sure. So, sorry, that was a very biased comment. Um, <laughs> no. So, to anyone listening to this, there are no apologies. Okay? Do you no play, this is the only thing I really do know about rugby. Do you play seven, yeah. seven on seven, or do you play 15? Is that the, is it those two? Okay, so there's two, yes, yes. <laughs> That's all I know. So you've got... That's all I know. Shout out to Dylan, because he's the one who's talking There's sevens rugby, um, um, which you'll see Carlin Isles. Carlin yes. Isles, Perry Baker. Um, those guys, uh, they are absolute speed merchants. Monsters. Um, so yeah, they, those guys would be your sevens players. Uh, mm-hmm. and then you've got your, um, 15 aside, which you've got for America, uh, TT Lamasatele plays for them. There you so go. So he actually plays, well, he used to play for, um, my home team, which is Saracens. Oh, wow. So there's a lot of. The thing is, is that my, my end goal would be mm-hmm. to get to the NFL, okay? But I wouldn't rule out transitioning over to the States to teach rugby. Yeah. Um, so the thing is, is that I, I would love to see every country in the world being able to play at the same standards. Because right now what you've got is you've got America and Canada in their own little bubble. Yeah. And they're not catching up to, to Europe or to... New Zealand and Australia. Yeah, so, uh, that's, Australia. So, that's all I know too. I'm like, apparently Australia is woof with rugby. So Yeah, but they're not anymore. 
Yeah. So this is the thing is that there's a, there's a massive shift in the way that people are playing rugby these days. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a term over here, which is called, you either play Northern Hemisphere style or you play Southern Hemisphere. Northern Hemisphere okay. is straight up front. I'm going to hit you as hard as I can. Whereas Southern Hemisphere is, give me the ball. I'm going to run as fast as Brian Habana and <laughs> see you later. Like okay. it, you're, you're on a motorbike and you're off. So mm-hmm. that's the thing is that, the sport is evolving a lot. But the thing is, here's, quite, here's what's quite funny, is that a lot of people in our country, we play rugby in the winter, mm-hmm. and then we play tennis or we play uh, cricket in the summer. That was a common theme. Okay. Um, because there wasn't... Or you, nowadays, what you would do is you'd play 15s in the winter, and then mm-hmm. you'd play 7s in the summer. So, because 7s is more free-flowing, a lot faster... And it's a lot yeah. more about uh, evading. Uh, and you can see it, obviously, from Carlin Isles. The guy is just just a freak. A but then he came from a sprinting background. He came from yeah. an athletics background. I reckon if he'd have carried on, he probably would have been as fast as Tyson Gay and Justin Gatlin. But okay. that's, that's comparable. But then if you were to say, for instance, put um, uh, a wide receiver mm-hmm. up against a sprinter... There wouldn't be too much dissimilar because yeah. they have the same sprint mechanics in a in theory, in inverted commas. Yeah. Um, but my 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 favourite team uh, is San Francisco 49ers. Uh, okay. for for, fa- for family reasons and friends and all that sort of things. But when I was growing up, I was a Baltimore Ravens fan. I was a huge fan of of um, Ray Lewis, massive fan. The guy to me was God, like <laughs> the way he tackled. But then if I, was I went say, over, yeah, his defense, yeah, exactly. But then that's how we build rugby. Rugby is built on defense. To, yeah, yeah. So that's the transferable thing. Two of my friends actually said to me when I was younger, "Come and play American football." I said, "I'm not putting on a helmet and no pads. I'll tackle you how I am. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to wear pads and a helmet when I can mm-hmm. hit you harder when I've got no pads and helmet on." So, but that was just the way. Yeah, but that was just the way I thought when you're younger. Like you Mm -hmm. you get yourself involved in different sports for different reasons. Uh, And then I learned to play tennis when I was a lot younger because I wanted better hand-eye coordination. So then, when I was playing rugby, I could get faster at the same time. I could transfer it over. So my my youth of playing sports was across everything. I was playing basketball, Mm -hmm. tennis, hockey, athletics, cricket, badminton. Uh, shot put. Oh wow! Um, I, uh, rugby, football. Yeah, I, I was I was playing everything, everything oh, wow. you name it. My mum was taking me here, there, and everywhere. <laughs> like, shout, shout out to my mum. My mum probably there won't listen go. to this podcast, but because um, <laughs> she doesn't even have a mobile. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is like, my, yeah. But it was known my my mum, my, my dad also. Like, he took me to rugby. Like, they sport has so many different transferable qualities that. If you're stuck to one thing, you can't become a good coach because you wouldn't have seen everything across the board. But Mm -hmm. saying that, it's always good to have a a discipline and an end goal of where you want to be. So I know I want to be in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I know goddamn well that I've got to be across so many different disciplines because I've got to account for so many different things. But my rugby background Mm -hmm. and my strength and conditioning background is part of that. Yeah. So I know I've built that to leverage to take it overseas sure. when everything's okay <laughs> <Of course. laughs> yes. um, but 
but that that's a that's me going off on a little bit of a tangent. Um, that's okay. It's always good. It's always good. Exactly. Uh, but on on that note, then, what do you think that you are going to see from yourself, or what what have no? Actually, let, let, let's just rephrase that question. Okay, what do you see for the evolution of coaching right now, moving forward? That is really going to change the game in terms of bringing better coaches through the systems. What have you seen that can really be a positive for female coaches coming through right now? Or, or, would, or, to, to, or to, to, to say, would encourage females to come into s and Um... I would say just, yeah, I know. (laughs) That was a good one. Um, I would say, right, like female athletics in general are coming, you know, it's, or U.S. women's, like women's soccer for U.S. Like that just became like this wow factor for everyone. So I would say like the fact that athletics in general are becoming more women influence will lead a will lead to a path where women in strength training coaching positions will evolve as well. So I feel like it's a linear progression um, in the sense of they see it on the other side. Okay, there's more female athletes um, in different sports is developing. There's more um, – there's more, I would say – more media coverage there's more uh so like yeah there's just more energy given towards women and female athletics that i think that's just gonna inevitably transfer over to the strength and conditioning side there's gonna be more trainers there's gonna be that it's gonna be young coaches who are like oh like other athletes are gonna say well i saw this female trainer so it's it's gonna become like okay it's not gonna be a unicorn anymore of like Oh, there's only one female on the team. Like, no, there's me multiple. Whether it's on the in general in the sports medicine side of like whether it's a coach, whether it's a trainer, whether it's the chiropractor, whether it's the physician on staff. I just I think in general because athletics is going more female positive, it's going to end up shifting as well in the strength conditioning world. Well, it's doing it in soccer as well, isn't it? It really so I'm, is. I'm even using that word now. What is? <laughs> yeah. um, I need to have a word with myself. Um, <laughs> I think that yeah, right now since the the women's um, soccer team have like really taken off, blew off. It's, yeah, it's opened up a huge door for a lot more, which I'm so, so excited to see. And also the, the resurgence of women's netball. Women's mm-hmm. netball right now is, is, is growing so quickly. Uh, and I think that a lot of people will, will definitely um, start gravitating to watch it. I've seen, I've seen so many different games over in Australia. The, mm-hmm. the speed they play at is they're, ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and they're also tall. I'm like, okay, I'm nearly six foot here, okay? And <laughs> these women are six two, six three. Six and I'm, three on average. I'm looking yeah. up and I'm just like, <laughs> you are fast. <laughs> strong. It's, exactly. it, oh, it's, it's amazing. Um, but it's going to be exciting to see how your journey unfolds. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 really excited to see that, and I think there's going to be some huge changes. I think with the way that SNC is looked at, not only locally here and over in the states, but just on a global scale, I think people are going to start being more. They're going to start noticing the people that are that are good, um, mm-hmm. because a lot of people right now during this time frame 
they're they're being found out. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I, I don't like to be a bearer of bad news, but these people that have been found out, um, I'm actually quite glad they have been because it it puts a bad dent in 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 reputation of people that are actually, actually good coaches. Yeah, and uh, and actually know what they're doing. And in terms of the experts in the industry, they're sitting they're sitting there actually laughing at these people because it's it, it it's quite sad really that the people are just they're not being considerate and it's it, I think it's just bad practice on on, on, on all accounts but look mm-hmm. that's 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 a different story that's a whole conversation um, <laughs> yeah uh, I'm not going to leave that conversation for here um, <laughs> but look um, I think it's I think it's going to be really really exciting over these over these coming months and um, I think it's going to be a, a great time to to really see where things go for sure. I'm, so, I'm excited. I think, you know, like just taking a look into my own self and perspective is just, I'm ready to learn. I'm ready to, I'm ready to get out there and get hands on. So. Yeah, I think it's great as well. And um, look, thank you very much for taking time out to, to speak to me today. I know obviously you've got a load of things ahead of you that you're obviously <laughs> planning to do. Um, but is there anything you'd like to finish on, on one final note or is it, is, uh, I think, I think it's a, a case of, yeah, let, let's see where we can re- reconvene. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think I'm going to end on the note of just the future is female. So watch out for that, especially in the strength and conditioning world. And I would say, yeah, stay tuned. Cause I, my heart is sad and my mind is sad that I'm going places. So <laughs> awesome stuff. Thanks, Steph. Thank you so much.